advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas, or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets, and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? That's me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amrys Wang, and this is The Raw Entrepreneur. Welcome to The Raw Entrepreneurs, Season 1, Episode 13. This is Part 2 of Kate Benjamin's interview. In today's episode, I have a very, very, very special lady who started it all and inspired me to take the plunge into the multi-cat world head-on, the queen of catification, Kate Benjamin. This is Kate Benjamin's origin story and her journey as a cat-style expert. The other piece of this is that I was born an entrepreneur. and I was born into an entrepreneurial family. So my parents, my aunts and uncles, my grandparents, they all owned tiny little businesses, not tiny, some of them larger, uh, in upstate New York is where I was born and where I grew up. Grew up. Um, and uh, my dad owned restaurants. My mom always ran gift shops in the restaurants and then she would make things and sell them in the gift shops. Um, and my aunts and uncles owned different properties. And uh, there was there was just sort of like, I didn't, have that was that was my model i didn't have a model of what it looked like to work for another company except for our employees well we had people that worked for us but you know my family just was this sort of entrepreneurial thing so i had that that model but i also just it was inside me like i have to do my own thing i had many different jobs um through my 20s and yeah and into my 30s um that working for other people that were really good experiences up until through that, um, through the children's product company. And they were, they gave me great skill sets and lots of insight into what it means to work for a company and be an employee. But I was always just like, Oh, I'd either have something on the side or a plan, you know, just, I got my first business resale license when I was 18 like the moment I could, because at 18, I was making jewelry, I was making hair scrunchies, you know, this is like the 90s. And, uh, and so I would sell them at farmers markets. And I would just I would do art, I would sew clothing, I would, I just was always making things and selling it. Um, so it was like a no brainer for me to, to do my own thing. It's just that it took a while to be in the right place. Um, but also I didn't like wait until anything was properly aligned. Like I certainly, you know, you just have to jump and do it. You can't be like, well, I have to wait until I have this much money saved. I mean, that's a good idea, but there are also times when you just need to do it because the moment is right. And for me, that was, like I said, that perfect storm. It was this, like, we're doing this. This is happening. It almost happened without me. It just went so quickly, you know, it was just like, all right, I'm along for this ride. And so, um, I know that about myself that I have to do my own thing and it has to be a little like not normal. Um, and, but I was really, really lucky to be able to have this skill set that I developed with all these different jobs. So I do a lot of, um, graphic design, writing, photography, marketing, event planning, um, that kind of stuff. I'm a tech geek. So I do all my own like programming and everything. Um, and a control freak as well. So, uh, it's, 
that's kind of, I'm, I'm mostly a one person team. I have, um, Linda, my dear friend, Linda, who does my customer service. Um, she handles all the orders on the online store. Um, but this thing has just sort of evolved based on opportunity and my sort of skill set and me asking every time a new opportunity is presented to me, I hold it up against that mission statement, which is pretty straightforward and, and similar to a lot of people's mission statements. You know, does this make the world a better place for cats and the people who love them? You know, so if somebody says, oh, you should go work over in this, you know, pharmaceutical company because they can pay you a lot of money and it would, you know, use your skill set really well. Well, that has no, <laughs> that's, I don't, you know, stop, don't ask me to do anything that is not directly related to this. Um, and you have to be willing to weather the good and the bad, right? So there have been plenty of ups and downs. Um, I have in that same time period, uh, let's see, I had to rebrand. So I started off uh, that blog that I started one night was moderncat.net. And in 2012, I rebranded to House Panther, um, which is fully protected and much more unique and, uh, and something uh, you have to think about when you pick a name. You know, is it something that someone else is going to come along and try to use? Um, is it too general? Is it unique? Is it, does it say what you want it to say? So we rebranded and that was a little stressful but necessary and turned out fine. And then following that, uh, I have had cancer twice. Um, and so breast cancer, uh, just sort of showed up. And the, so first time I, we just tried to take care of it with minimal invasion, you know, with some radiation and a lumpectomy. And then it came back a couple years after that. Um, and so then the second time was a lot more extreme. Um, we had to do a bilateral mastectomy and I had to chemo that time. Um, so, but you know, I had this, this thing that I still love every moment of, you know, you, you have this, this thing that makes you get up every morning. You have to write on the blog and talk to your, you know, your people and your supporters. And, and when I was in treatment the second time, actually both times, um, I didn't write as much as I normally did. Like for those first, like, I don't know, however many years, the first five, six years, I wrote something every day, every single day I wrote. And, um, it was just habit. And then when I, when I was in treatment, I did not write as much and I, people would leave comments and say, Oh, where are you? We, you know, we miss you. What's, you know, what's going on and how can we, you know, where'd you go? Uh, hope you're okay. And that was really nice. And it also gives you something to, you know, to strive for, you know, I want to get back to it so I can get through this. And, um, and that was, that was a big piece of it, you know, and the cats having the cats in my life through both of those times, um, was huge. My cats and my husband, um, and, uh, who showed up in the middle of my first round of cancer treatment. He was kind of a, a gift that showed up. Um, uh, that was wonderful. And, um, he loves cats too. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's always a challenge to be out there doing something unique and, pretty much on your own um, because you never know. So I just kind of keep, keep moving forward and look for opportunities as they show up. You know, I remember your story because I was, I followed you, you know, that whole, you know, I cheered you on and, and, and all that, you know, I, I, and I was so excited when you got married as well <laughs> to him. I thought he was, I said, he's a cool dude. I like him. <laughs> I like him, you know, um, but uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know your your journey is truly really inspiring because it has. Do I you know the drama? You know, if if people want to think about it, you're like, wow, it's so juicy. You've got all these ups and downs, and you know, people think like, you know, like wow, it's like a it's like a movie. You know, like a Hollywood movie. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it's real life. That's the thing. It's, it's not made up. I mean, what you went through and the things that you did, every path that you took, you know, um, and how you got creative and, and taking opportunities and creating opportunities, I would say, you know, um, that takes a lot of vision and, and, and belief and the mindset that, you know, um, I don't have. 
I'll be honest, you know, I, I don't have that, you know, you know, I, I'm still, I'm still a student. I'm still a little cricket, you know, <laughs> you know, watching people like you, but you know, you're like I said, you know, you're like royalty to me. Oh, when it comes, when it comes to, to, to the cat world and what you've done and contributed, it's true because if it wasn't for you, um, I honestly don't think I would, uh, rescue as much as I did. Um, you know, I started out with one cat and then it became three cats and one dog. And, you know, your house panther, um, I have to say I was an avid follower. Every time you posted something in the newsletter and I got it, that's like the first thing I would read. Oh, that I'm makes not into, I'm not into newspapers and the world. I don't care about the world politics. I really don't. But when, you know, when I, I think house panthers ask you know, and um, I have to say, I, you know, I enjoyed the articles that you wrote and I always looked at the product design because I love design. You know, I like nice stuff. I think, I, think, <laughs> I think everyone likes nice stuff, to be honest. But you have a really good eye. And because of you and House Panther, I bought the Hepapod yes, all I the way it. from the US. I got it shipped oh. over here. Uh, I had... You know the, the the slanty scratcher from Happypod as well. You know the the, the curvy yes. one. High low, I love that one. Yeah, high low one. And you have the um the urban pet house wave lounges, the the wall yes. shelf. Because those are some you, of my favorites. Because of you, I fell in love with that, and then I went, I really really want that. <laughs> I really They're really great. want that. Yeah, I know. I'm sad that they don't make those anymore. There are some other companies making similar things. Yes. Um, yes. Like this whole idea of, you know, really changing the, the cat product world. There are a lot of people doing a lot of similar things, but there's also new stuff coming out. So um, there, you, you can pretty much find everything now, but those original ones, the urban pet house, I have a set in my dining room that I love and will always love. They're just so sturdy. They're beautiful. They're just the right size and shape and curve for the cats. It's one of those, those amazing, like it has everything, you know, like every once in a while you get a product and I've seen pretty much every cat product that has come out in the last 13 years has come across my desk. And sometimes it's just like, you know, there, there are a couple categories. There's like, there's like the iconic stuff that's beautiful and amazing and it's inspirational, but it's incredibly expensive. People will just sort of look at it like it belongs in a museum. It's a great example. And those are fun to write about just to document them. And then, you know, a handful of people can afford them. But then there are these things that are all of that plus, whoa, it's really affordable. And that's what we're seeing more and more of now. And so they're like those shelves were not too expensive, but they were, they probably cost you a fortune to have shipped over there. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it's, it actually worked out cheaper than actually trying to customize it locally. Yeah. Those would have been really hard to re replicate and they're so special. Yeah. So th there are these products that you just, I see. And I, the second I see it, I'm like, Oh, this is unlike anything else I've ever seen this is exactly how it's going to be received by people because they're, they're going to just know because this is how it's going to be received by cats. Right. So there's certain things that people are skeptical about. They're like, I don't know if my cat's going to like that. My cat doesn't like this. My cat doesn't like anything. Um, and, but some things it's just boom, no brainer. I know my cat's going to like it. The cat loves the thing. It's beautiful. And it's really affordably priced and easily accessible. And, those products, I it's just I love it when that happens. It makes me yeah. Excited. So the shape is it's to me it's a classic. It's just good quality. It was it's really well made. I mean, like it's still you know on my wall now after all these years, and my cats still love it. Well, the designers of those urban pet house shelves. Um, I'm friends with the owner, and then his designer actually was a graduate of the design program at Arizona State University that I was in, um, and he, his background before he designed those shelves was working for a company that makes wall mounts for big, heavy TVs. So that's a great example of like, use your skill set. Like he had, he understood, if you understand how to 
mount something heavy like a TV to the wall. Use that to think about cat shells, which have to be durable because yeah, maybe your cat only weighs 10 or 11 pounds, but when they're running and jumping, they're exerting far more force than that on that shelf. It has to be really well secured to the wall and it has to be super sturdy. The structure of the shelf itself has to be super sturdy. So that was just a great combination of, of the perfect designer to make that product. Yeah, no, I, like I said, you know, whatever you, you would recommend and if a design, you know, that desire came out and I'm like, I really want to have it, you know, <laughs> so I actually saved my money. I remember when I, I was, I had an opportunity to um, fly to the UK and, you know, have a holiday and stuff. And then when I started to do rescue work and then I had these three cats and a dog that was having a little bit of like politics going around in the house and my house was just... Um, at the time, the one-dimensional one home, everything was yeah. flat. Um, and then reading, reading about catification and the ideas that you, you showed, you know, um, and watching My Cat from Hell as well, you know, that, that, that expected combination between the two of you, I was like, I need to catify my house, you know? <laughs> and I was like, I need to have a cat super highway from here to there, you know, like, you know, and then I went, okay, I need some moolah. <laughs> so, so I gave up my holiday. Oh. So I used my, my air ticket and my holiday money to do the catification for my home. Wow. That is amazing. That is what we love to hear. People who make their cats a priority, yeah. you know, I mean, and you don't have to spend a ton of money on catification. There are plenty of creative ways to, to DIY stuff, to, you know, to move things around that you already have. But if you can, and you really want a certain aesthetic and you know, you're going to live there for a while, um, you know, it's, it, there's just lots of inspiration in the book and, and the things that you've done. Like I wrote about your project as soon as you sent it to me, it's absolutely gorgeous. Great example of how to completely maximize that space. Um, and especially because you have dogs and cats using that extra vertical space gives everybody, you know, their own traffic flow. So how do your dogs and cats get along? Do they... Well, um, the adult rescues, the ones that have been, you know, rescued, taken off the street when they're adult cats, they've had, some of them had bad experience with dogs outside. Uh -huh. So I would say they're allergic to my dog. <laughs> so they just avoid each other. Yeah. You know, um, you know, they, it, some of them, I had one, I had one foster that stayed with me for almost two years and, um, he was a stray that um, had an accident outside and he broke his uh, hip leg, you know, his hind leg. He needed an operation. His femur head bone was broken or something. And uh, we actually had to raise funds to, to get his operation done. And then he needed cage rest. And um, because of that long duration for the heating process, we decided like, okay, we'll try and rehome him. But he stayed in my home for almost two years. Mm -hmm. But we found him a good adopter. Oh, good. Yay. So, you know, so he, he, he's now a prince in his own home with his own oh. castle, you know. <laughs> but when he was staying with me, he hated my dog. Oh. Chester hated my dog. He, you know, that, that spitting cobra thing that cats do, like, yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, as my dog is walking through the alley of darkness, <laughs> you might have to <laughs> You know, from all, you know, left and right. And sometimes she gets really worried because it's like, oh my God, some, some of these cats really doesn't like her. But <laughs> it's just noise. They haven't really attacked her. Um, you know, they've well, learned to... It's because they have places to go. Yes, they've know? got the height, you know. They, they can look at her and they've, you know, I've created like a three-dimensional home for them, truly. You know, thanks to you. Thanks to yeah. you. And if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be able to take in more, more fosters, more animals. You know, um, and because of my dog, especially because I have a dog, so the cats when they first come, they, you know, they're always up on a highway, yeah, watching. Yeah. But as they get used to, and they and they have to learn a language because dog language and cat language, you know, the way the cat wags the tail and the way the dog wags the tail is completely different communication going on there. And my dog, she she came to me as a seven month old pup, so oh. she considers herself half a cat. <laughs> 
Okay, good. She's a cat, but she doesn't realize that, you know, she's a giant thing with, you know, she's about like 20 kilos kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) So she's always thinking like, why don't the cats like me? Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, so when I started bringing in kittens and I foster kittens, especially the baby bottle ones that have the bottle feet, she mm. absolutely adores them. So she's actually been my number one kitten nanny. Oh, I love it. And she that's- knows when I come through the door with a, a carrier or a box of, of kittens in there, she has this really goofy face on her face suddenly. She goes really like, oh, baby. <laughs> She starts looking really stupid, you know, and then she'll start following me and, and she'll like, can I touch? Can I smell? You know, but what? she's kind of, she's, she's a rough diamond. She's not genteel, you know, she's not a lady. She's, you know, she's kind of like, you know, the girl on the street. She's a hustler in her own way, you know, <laughs> but she, you know, she has this, suddenly this maternal instinct sort of like try to come out through, you know, through the cracks, even though I did sterilize her, you know, she's, she wants to, to take care of them. So when I bottle feed, she'll be at my feet and I realize like, maybe it's the goat's milk that you, she, you, you like. Oh. <laughs> and then she'll start to lick them. But the best thing about having a dog and kittens when you're fostering them is that you desensitize the, the kittens to the dog and vice versa. And the kittens grow up getting used to my dog's roughness and her doggy ways, you know. So when you see them play, it's, it's, it's a bit of a horror show because sometimes you see the kittens literally in her mouth. Yeah. And you go like, don't break the neck. Don't, yeah. smell, you know, but she's really gentle with them. I, you know, I think we, we don't give the animals more credit like the mummy cat and the dogs, you know. They, they, they can control the, the, the sensitivity, the mouth, the grip and all that. So when they're when she's playing with them, you know, and you're like, oh, you know, the kitten's literally like in there. But um, she's very gentle and the kittens get used to that. So when I get them ready, when I prep them for, for adoption, you know, I can tell the doctor like they're used to dogs. Yeah. As long as that dog is, you know, equally used to cats, that's really good though, because then yeah. that increases your potential adopters, right? Because yeah. Now they Correct. can go into a household yeah. with a dog. Yeah, because so, sometimes some, some adopters say, oh, I have a dog. I, I don't know whether I, you know, um, it's safe to have a cat. You can, you just have to know how to socialize them and introduce them. Yes, the dog has to be, yeah, equally socialized to the cats. But yeah, I definitely think, I don't know anything about dogs. Um, I've just never had one. And they're so different, I think, energetically and just, um, just, being around them, but I, I keep meeting dogs that I've just fallen in love with that. I'm like, I don't know what to do with you, but you're a beautiful soul and I see you in there, you know? (laughs) Also, I have such a thing for all black animals because I have so many black cats that I love and have loved that whenever I see a black dog, I'm always like, Oh, in love. I, Oh, can we have that one? But my husband, and reminds me that that would probably be a very bad idea because none of my cats are socialized to dogs and it would be chaos. <laughs> yeah, we, we always tell potential adopters, um, you know, if, if you have existing cats and you want to introduce a dog, you, you might want to either get a puppy. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the puppy will learn, you know, um, how, how to treat the cats better and the cats as well, they won't feel so threatened by a big dog. Yeah, yeah, and then they'll grow up together, and yeah, will probably find, show the dog who's in charge, right? Yeah, or you, or you know, I was sometimes I tell them, why don't you look at senior dogs because they're really, you know, mellowed yeah. out and they're chilled out. Most of the time, they just want to sleep. So if you find the right combination with your lifestyle, you know, uh, it's it's possible. It's possible, you know. Um, so yeah, living in a multi-cat household uh, with a dog, it's um, learning everything. And I wouldn't have been able to foster and do what I do if it wasn't for your classification tips. Oh, I'm so glad. I will, have to, I will have to one day, besides, I will have to tidy up my house a bit. It's changed a lot since 2012, you know. <laughs> a lot of things and furniture have moved around. Plus, I'm a raw feeder, so I have more fridges and freezers in this house wow. now. <laughs> but wow. um, I'll, I'll take a picture and show you because I've got more like cat trees and stuff. To, to give more space for the animals. Because now with 12 cats, um, 
real estate is a yes. big deal, you know, yes. and I wish, and I always keep thinking like, you know, um, if I had more budget, I, I might want to make more highway. And my friend looks at me like, how much more can you make in that space? Like, well, I'll find space, you know, that's the way, you know, it's plus really um, <laughs> my oldest cat, she's um, 12 years old now this year. Mm. In May, she's going to be 12. So, you know, I have to start thinking about not just Catify, but making it more senior friendly. Yep. And that's a really important part of Catification. Thinking about senior cats or cats with mobility issues. Also kittens on the other end of the spectrum. Like it's really, a, you know, a completely different way of thinking about things for safety. Um, ideally, a great Catification project would be adaptable. So something that you could change over time as your cat population changes. So if you start thinking about things that will accommodate your senior cat, maybe think about them in a way that they're not as permanent. You know what I mean? So when maybe the population is back to all being younger and they don't need that. But so there's, there's that idea of sort of flexibility, modularity, you know, changing. But the other thing is this principle of universal design. So universal design means it's great for a specific population, but it's also great for every, it's, it's universal. It's great for everybody, right? So instead of designing something that's just for this population, it, that benefit benefits everybody, you know? So you might find that there are things you design for your senior cat then that all the cats love. Um, but I would definitely look at things like ramps and, uh, non-slip surfaces, putting maybe um, railings on things. Uh, I'd have to go back and look more closely at your pictures if, if, to see if some of your superhighway does or doesn't have different barriers or railings that oh, there, might... There, there are no railings there because it was a, yeah. just a plank. And yeah. then the metal frame, yeah. yeah. Yeah, So, you know, the thing is, it's all going to depend on the individual cat too. Like, is this cat super adventurous? Are they going to go up? to really high um, sort of places that are uh, like a little bit hard to reach or as they get older, are they just going to stay down lower? So that's, it's a really important area of catification that I want to do some more research into and some more experimentation with. Yeah. I mean, cause I had my kit, well, my first cat came as a kitten and now she's 12. So, you know, we, we we're going through the state life stages in a yeah. way. The and thing. you know, um, so, and because I do fostering, so I have a revolving door of like, you know, I've got older cats. I had senior cats that I fostered, you know, uh, palliative care and stuff. Um, yeah. And then I've got the kittens that come and stay for a while and, until we rehome them. So my home, like you say, the universal design, it has to work for everybody. <laughs> yeah. So just, just kind of think, that, think about that as you're maybe moving stuff around or redesigning or adding things. Mm. And let me know come up with I'm excited to see <laughs> well I will do my best but like I said you know uh yeah it, if it wasn't for you I don't I don't yeah I don't think I would have done what I do and it's quite interesting because I think yeah I did my catification in 2012 2013 around that time I think um and people come to my home now you know like potential adopters and you know when they come in they don't hear me talk, you know, when I try to explain, they, the first thing they, they look, you know, they sort of like, wow, you know, and, 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 they're, and they're amazed at what I do. And, and one person actually said, like, they didn't realize that it was for the cats. Oh, that's, oh, I love that. I like that. Because that's a, a really one way you can do catification is to have it be seamlessly integrated so that it just looks like any other architecture or design element. Yeah. And that you almost have to really study it to see, oh, wait, there's like sizal carpet on there or there's a, a cubby yeah. hole. Yeah. Yeah. Versus, like some people who've done, you know, you really make the cat elements stand out. It can also be beautiful and aesthetically pleasing, but those are really two different styles of catification. Are you highlighting and celebrating the cat elements or are they blending seamlessly? Yeah. Um, and back to what you're saying about when you have adopters come in your home. I love that. And that is the new, actually, the new area of work that Jackson and I are starting to focus on, um, which you may have seen in the season finale of, I think it was season eight, 
the finale where we designed we redesigned the shelter in Los Angeles. That was one of that was a all that was a really good episode. I love that. Thank you. I love that. That was super fun. So that was sort of the the beginning, the kickoff of this new body of work that we're looking at, which is this idea of catification in shelters. And then another thing that I've been doing a lot of is this idea of the cat cafe. So here in the United States, cat cafes and um, shelters, there's kind of this blurry line. They're they're separate things, but all of our cat cafes are basically adoption areas. You know, they're, they're places where you can, all the cats are available for adoption. Um, and the idea of both shelters that can accommodate a, a meet and greet space like that and cat cafes should not just be catified. I mean, primarily they should be catified so that the cats who are currently living in those spaces have the very best life and that their needs are being accommodated so that they're happy and healthy and that their personalities shine through when people come in to meet them. That's part one. Part two is these spaces need to serve as showcases for what the adopters can do when they go home because they come in and it's exactly like you're saying. They're just looking around and going, Oh, that's cool. Oh, look at this. Like, I, that's what I want to see every cat cafe and every shelter that can accommodate it do is have these beautiful examples. And, and then of course, you know, show them resources, show them our books, show them my website so that people can go out and actually anybody can just search online now, anything, hashtag catification, hashtag cat furniture, cat shelves, cat climbing. Those are all really well populated hashtags right now on all social media platforms. Um, but you're standing in this space, you're about to adopt a cat, you're thinking, oh, that would look really good in my house. Oh, I could do that. Oh, I never thought of that. And then they go home, they do these things, that cat doesn't get returned to the shelter, doesn't exhibit any behavior problems. They don't hide under the bed for three weeks, you know? They're, they're, they, be, they immediately become part of the family, hopefully. That's the idea. So um, so just just really that education and inspiration, those are my two words that I always kind of use when I talk about catification and what I do and everything is that we want to educate and inspire. So that's what the books are about is, you know, they really talk about the, the nuts and bolts of behavior and environmental enrichment, how to do it, and then there's just pictures and, and examples of like ideas and different aesthetics and different styles and different, you know, budgets, um, different size, big homes, small apartments, um, so that somebody can find something that suits what they're looking for and then be inspired by it. Um, and that's another reason that I still continue to write about and all through the years I've gotten a lot of sort of pushback from readers when I post really expensive cat products. You know, like there's this $8,000 cat tree from Germany that has always been sort of my holy grail of cat trees, the Wandblock stuff. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And, um, you know, every time I post an $8,000 cat tree, somebody has to leave a comment to say, you know how many cats you can have spayed and neutered for that? And yes, I do know. Um, but be inspired by it. Exactly. So, okay, maybe you can't afford it. Somebody can, somebody's buying it. Um, and there's very good reasons to buy it if you can, but also look at what they've done. And I'm never, I'm never advocating for direct knockoffs. Um, and certainly not if anybody's going to profit off of it, but be inspired by what I'm showing you. Be inspired by the idea of this cat tree and the aesthetic and the functionality and all of that. So um, sharing of ideas, being inspired, I think that, that is a huge piece of this. And that is one of the things that Jackson and I are most proud of since the books came out and since his show became such a success is this proliferation of examples on social media that people are sharing with each other and that we've created this global cat community. Um, and it is one where people are really willing to share, you know, they'll see a picture and somebody will say, Oh, where'd you get those shelf brackets? And then people answer, you know, I think there was a question on, was it on maybe on yours that somebody asked specifically? Yeah, um, I, yeah, I you know, emailed me as well about that. Yeah. 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 You know, how did you 
that. Um, and, uh, you know, it's where do I find somebody who can build this in my neighborhood? You know, there's a lot of that question I get these days. And I'd love to see more and more people, you know, available as resources who can build, you know, builders, carpenters, people who do catios. There are a ton of people now around the United States who specialize in catio design. Yes. And uh, yeah, some really wonderful stuff going on there. Um, and so I just want to continue sharing those resources, getting the word out about people and companies who do a good job, who really put cats first and love cats. I enjoy supporting companies the most who do what they do because they love cats and they love animals and not just because they saw a white space you know not just because they said oh people are spending a lot of money on this we should design a litter box but we don't know anything about litter boxes or cats you know so they have to do their research anybody can do their research but that research has to be backed up by passion and a true understanding and appreciation for cats and how they live in our homes and what they need to thrive. And that's another piece of this is that, yeah, you can give your cat the basics, like what they need, you know, a litter box, a water dish, some food, maybe a bed. They're going to sit on the sofa. They're going to sit on the floor, whatever. Okay, they're fine. But are they thriving? Are they really living their best life? We are asking them to live inside, first of all, because we love them, we wanna protect them. We don't want them outside, which yes, I understand the argument against that and some areas of the world, people are indoor only cats, indoor, outdoor only, you know, but I personally, based on where I live, I'm never gonna let my cats outside because I live in an urban environment that has just countless dangers to them. So we're asking these predators to live in our home. And especially if we're asking multiple predators to share the same space, that's where all the behavior stuff starts to come in. And we don't want them to just merely survive in our houses. Like that is not why we have them in our homes. We have them because we love them. We worship them. We think they're really interesting and we connect with them and we want to give them the best life. So just same thing like anyone would ask about your child. Do you want them to just merely survive or do you want them to grow up and thrive in the world? So our cat's worlds are our homes and we want them to have the very best. So we want them to have physical and mental stimulation and opportunities for rest and relaxation and hunting and catching and killing and prey and really working out all of those natural behaviors that they would in the wild, but we're simulating it inside and just continually monitoring how they're doing, you know, as things change, like we were just talking about too, over the course of their life, that those needs are going to change from when they're tiny kittens and then they're active adults and then they are become seniors, just like with any living creature. Um, so, making a flexible environment, staying on top of it, staying on top of understanding what their needs are at this moment to thrive. Um, and checking in, you know, checking in with the cats, <laughs> just keeping an eye, you know, are they, are they really doing what cats need to be doing? You know, are they thriving? No, no. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, words of wisdom. <laughs> I can talk about this all day. <laughs> oh no, but I love it. That's the thing, you know. I think um I think that the best part with um our community is that cuz we love cats. You know, all things cats and um the catification part especially for rehoming and adoption huge huge thing. You know, your two books Catification and Catify to Satisfy is like the Bible for me. And <laughs> I use this every time when I meet potential adopters, I will bring out the book. Um, there was a period when I was giving talks as well uh, for fosterers and we really? had to teach uh, Fostering 101. So, you know, we'll, how to prep the house and everything. And Catification was actually part of, part of what I spoke about and 
voila, I brought the books out, you know, and I show them like, you know, and I said, you know, you can get this on Amazon, you can get this on, you know, all good online bookshops, but, you know, and I'll show them. I said, you don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to buy all the fancy, fancy stuff that you see on House Panther, for instance, but you get inspiration from it, like you said, you know, and, you know, that's the beauty about the human nature. We have, we, we're all creative. It's just that whether or not we're using it, you know, we all have that inner, you know, artist in us that, you know, and, and, we, and we do it nicely, you know, it brings us joy, mm-hmm. you know. Well, um, and it brings the cat's joy. My yeah. favorite part of finishing a catification design in a room or in a house or any space and, or creating a new product for cats and having like a prototype or a first test is putting it out and having and seeing what the cats do with it. That is the most fun. Yeah, it's starting to rain. Sorry, I had to close the window. My dog, my dog was starting to panic a bit. <laughs> she, hates, she hates thunder. She's, she gets really oh. like nervous. <laughs> oh, poor thing. Yeah. So, so that first, when you finish a design, there's that first moment when you let the cats out into the room and you just watch them do what they're supposed to do. That's when it's great. When they're not quite getting it, then you, then you just learn a lot and you change things as needed. But, um, but, but seeing them get it, seeing them use it, seeing them be cats and do what cats do and climb on the shelves and scratch on the scratchers, go into the cubby holes, curl up in a bed, look out the window, play with the toy. Those are like, it's so rewarding. Like that's why I do what I do. You know? Yeah. People are good too, but you know, and the the whole point of this is that we, you know, by helping cats, we're also helping people because we're helping them bond with cats and make everybody's lives better. Right. But I'm, I'm so focused on like the cat's happiness. (laughs) that You used the word thrive. You know, um, that is actually a very holistic term that we also use for nutrition. Like, yeah, you know, you can feed the cat, you know, commercial stuff and yeah, they'll survive, but we'll right. thrive. And, right. you know, for us, even with humans, like, you know, we want, we want quality of life, you know, uh, yeah. humans and cats, and we want to enjoy our companion animals so that, you know, and it brings us joy when they are happy, we are happy. You know, when they're in their element, you know, like yeah. I get, I call it Formula One racing, you know, when they do the zoomies. Yes, zoomies, yes. <laughs> yes. I call it F1 racing, like the cars. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I, I mean, like, thanks to you, my cats will actually do this from the highway. They go zoom, all the boom, 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 boom. And then they go down the cat and they go across on ground, maybe and they go up again and then they'll go down again, you know, and you sort of, you know, I'm, and then stupid me because I'm just enjoying it. I'm like, after the whole thing and I'm like, oh, maybe I should have had my camera out or a GoPro or something, you know, because to, 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 to follow them because I'm, yeah, that's how bad I am. I don't document as much as I should, but um, just seeing the way they, they use the, the environment that you create for them and then you realize like, yes, you know, success. Yeah. <laughs> and know? think how limited they were before they had that, you know, like, oh, they just instantly start racing around. Like, thank you. I've been waiting for this, you know, like yeah. it, it is, and, it's so rewarding. And even like, um, cause I do a lot of rehab for injured animals, injured cats as well. And post, um, like rehabilitation. So like after a car accident or something, or, you know, with an operation and they need to exercise. So after the cage rest, and then they have to start doing their physiotherapy. My home is, (sighs) it's literally the gym, you know, and you can actually see, um, I've had, I mean like a quite number of my cats all had car accidents, you know, they all like, you know, they had problems with their limping and stuff. But when you give them the space to exercise, yeah. the muscles, you know, yep. and you would think like, oh, the poor thing, you know, it can't walk from it. You see the limp. And I'm like, yeah, but let, let, it, let them climb. Let them do whatever they want. And you see them developing the muscles and they compensate. You know, cats are amazing creatures. They, they, they adapt to, to changes in life really well. Yeah. And you sort of see, you know, the improvement, like, oh, gosh, they climbed up the pole. 
Yeah, that's amazing. That's great. You know, and and ran across and down, you know, and you can see when they move, you can see the improvements in the body as well. So you know that it's it's working out. And I actually got, um, you did, uh, yes, but you you talked about cat cat wheel. Yeah. So I actually got um, the fast cat. um, Oh, you you like that one? Well, that was the easiest one to bring over. I mean, because I had a, a girlfriend. Um, they they flew over from San Jose, mm. and so she and her boyfriend lugged the box for me all the way. And her, her boyfriend actually said it would be the last time he'll ever do anything like that for me. <laughs> there are a few um, from closer to you now. There. Are yes. Yes, you know? there's one in Malaysia now. There's one in Malaysia now that does it. Uh, one of uh, my girlfriend actually, one of my girlfriends, she actually ordered her cat wheel from Malaysia, so it's a lot easier. Oh. Yeah. But um, I think when I when I started, uh, yeah, with the very first cat wheel thing, that was I think they were the pioneers of doing that. So uh, so I think I've got version one or version two of of what they wow. did. Yeah, I we have one. I have the um the one from Catswall from Taiwan. Um, and let's see, one, two out of 12 right now use it. I wish more of them would, but, um, but I love watching them run on that. Oh my gosh. They're so funny. And one of them is one of my little kind of semi still feral calicos. And so she's really still skittish. She loves my husband, loves him. And is very skeptical of me because I'm the one who tried to sort of socialize her when she was a little too old. Um, and so she just is very, very wary of me. But when I see her run like crazy on that wheel, it just makes my heart so happy because she's so cute and she's having such a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got 12 cats and let me see my cat wheel. Um, every time I have kittens, they love it. Yeah. Kittens will because they explore a lot, and then I have I have one cat. Um, he likes to go fast on it, so he's a zoomy, yeah. so he gallops and he does it all in weird hours. And I my head is literally You're next here. to the cat wheel, you know, and he just goes. Vroom, 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 vroom. Then I have another one who is like a gym walker, so she will wake up and then she'll go to the gym and then she'll do her walk, but she doesn't run. She doesn't run, but she just likes to walk on it really slowly. You know, like she's like listening to the news or something. I have no idea, but she's just doing her thing, you know. And then I have another one who loves it as a cat bed. Oh, yes. I have several who use it for that. Yes. You know, of so. Course. Why not? <laughs> so, you know, I, you know, it's like, um, yeah, you know, so I, I, I love that cat wheel. So it might not be utilized by all 12 cats, but. Yeah. You know, uh, it serves its purpose, especially when I have to do rehab for for cats oh, yeah. to walk again. So when I when I get them to walk on it, it it, it helps. Yeah. Now, what I also love about what you're describing, where your cats can really run and move and jump to the point of noticing a difference in their gait, you are describing this in a relatively small space. You have about eight hundred square feet, right? 72 square meters. Yeah, it's just under 800 square feet. And I don't, my house isn't much bigger than that. Mine's only 1,100 square feet. And we're talking about, I have 12 cats as well right now, um, that you would think that in a smaller space, having a cat really run, like, oh, that's never going to happen. And, you know, I could see somebody saying, oh, it's cruel to keep a cat in a space that small because they'll never be able to really run. Oh, actually, no, we can show you. Yes, they can. You just have to think about it. You have to design it properly. And what Jackson and I both always say is this thing like a cat, right? So you're, if you're planning this super highway, you're planning to the design of your home. Um, I'm always asking myself, okay, from any point, think that cat, think like that cat standing there at any point, where do they want to go next? Where can they go easily? Um, you know, what is, the, how far is the jump? How long is, you know, how long are they running? Is there a non-slip surface? You know, is there a corner they have to get around or through or over or something? Um, what are they going to do? Because, and then, and then just know that they're going to, they always do something that you probably can't even think of because that's what cats do. 
but uh, try, <laughs> try to second guess them um, and, and just really create this, this playground or super highway, like we call it, um, you know, that they can be cats on, you know, really, like you said, running and jumping and climbing. So there, there's some other really fantastic products that are coming out now. Have you seen, I've been writing about um, Catscapes. It's a, a shelf system that uses this really cool bracket that allows you to connect in two or three different shelves and you can change the angle. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I saw that one. Yeah, you would love those. So that, um, those are going to be, uh, there's some available now and they're working on more manufacturing of those. But when that product came out, I really, it, it struck me as one of those genius moments because of that idea of that bracket that lets you change the angle of all of the shelves that attach to that hub mm -hmm. so that you really can design for any size space um, and create this interconnection because then you can attach one shelf to the next shelf to the next shelf each with these different brackets and it was that's a perfect example of of the second I saw it, once I understood what was going on, I was like, Oh my God, I've never seen anything like this before. This is like really like groundbreaking, like changing the world of catification. Um, for, of course, for people who want to mount things to their wall. So we understand that you and I are fairly extreme. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I, sometimes I think I wish I had more wall space to, to play oh, around. I think, too. you know, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. I think once you start, you can't stop. I, I know. Well, you stop when there is no more room, yeah. which I have. I have several things right now that I need to test that companies have sent me or they're my own prototypes. And I was walking around my house the other day and I don't have another square foot of space. I'm going to have to take things down to try new things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh no! I I like my 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 uh, urban how the the cat wave the yeah. uh, I I love those. It's funny because when I got the the guy to install it for me, he didn't uh -huh. realize it was for cats. No, he just thought it was a nice shelf. <laughs> yeah, he thought it was a really fancy shelf. You know, he so was like, "Oh, I thought it's just it one won't of hold anything because it's curved." <laughs> yeah, but you know, he thought like, "Oh no, I just thought it was a shelf." No, no, it's for cats. And he looked at me for cats. Yeah, for cats. <laughs> And I had um, a girlfriend of mine from LA when she came to visit and she saw the wave. She, it blew her away because she's a cat rescuer. You know, she's a very practical lady, but she said like, that's actually a really good idea because she never thought about it conforms to the cat's body shape as well. It's like yeah. a hammock, but it's a it solid was. hammock, you know? And she was like, Wow, you know, it, it, she was like really, she enjoyed it. And it, she came all the way from, from LA to come here to see that and to be inspired. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, but no, it's, it's just one of those things. Um, I always tell p potential adopters, you know, when you adopt a cat, I hope you can try and catify your home because it'll make not just the cats, you'll enrich the cat's life, but if you do it well, it'll make your life easier as well. Absolutely. To I be honest, agree. you know, if I didn't do all this, I don't think I'll have 12 cats, to be honest. No, it would be hard. It would be really hard, especially with the dog, because what you've done is you've created that highway that goes from the front to the back, yeah. including down, doesn't, isn't there like a little hallway in the middle where it kind of narrows? Yeah. Yeah. So that narrowing passageway, if there wasn't a second level, could be a real bottleneck. It could be a place where there's conflict, where people get trapped, where cats uh, would trap each other or block it off. But because there's a second level, um, you know, a cat can tra traverse back and forth with, you know, whatever's going on the floor. If the dog's down there and the cat wants to avoid the dog. Um, and that's, you know, you've really, um, you've worked around some challenging architectural features that um, I think you did a really, really good solutions. Oh, thank you. I, I did that like, I think just based on the knowledge that you shared online, you know, your books and everything. And I tried to apply what I learned and I had to get a guy who worked in the shelter. He was basically, um, what do you call it? Um, steel welder. 
you know, mm-hmm. like to fix all the, 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 the fences and all that for the shelter. So I gave him a call and, you know, I was like, hey, would you like to do a job for me? And he's like, what? I said, like, uh, do something for me in my home. You come. And because he, he speaks Chinese more than English and I'm not very good with Chinese. So I had to get um, my friend to, you know, translate a bit. But I gave him the idea. I showed him pictures as well. I said, I want to do this. And he was like, this is, I don't do this. <laughs> I, was like, I said, it's good for your resume. Learn a new skill. It's good for you, you know? So he, so he helped me do the, 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 the U-shaped brackets, the steel brackets yeah. and stuff. And, um, but I had to get the wood and everything uh, from another supplier. And then I had, to, I had to lug it back upstairs, well, with the lift and everything. Because I stay on the 20th floor. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, my building is 22 stories. We got 22 oh. stories, so I stay on the 20th floor. So we had to measure to make sure that the wood goes into the lift. Yeah. Out of you the have to design it to fit. In. Yeah, because yeah. you don't want to have an idiot moment where you get a long piece of wood and you can't, and it won't go in, and then you've got to climb the stairs. No, not very smart. <laughs> no, no way. <laughs> so, yeah, so we, we did a lot of measuring and um, this, the steel welder guy, he was really game. He was a really nice guy. So he, he was very fascinated by what I was doing. He said, what is this for? I said, it's for the cats. He's like, he's like, really? And, you know, he, he, he just couldn't figure out, understand why. But when we set it up and when he saw the cats using it, he was like, ah. Perfect. And I guess what? It. A couple of years later, he gave me a call because he said, oh, I have a client that wants to do what you did. So he's oh. been doing it on his own. He's been oh, selling the idea with, to other people, you know. And um, so I was really happy because I remember he said to me, like, I'm just a welder. I, I don't know how to do all these things, you know. I said, oh. don't worry. You just, you know, we'll, you know, it's good. It's a good skill for you, you know. Get out of your comfort zone kind of thing. That is fantastic. I love that story. Yeah. And, and <laughs> the best part was, you know, being a welder guy, I remember when he was doing the brackets. And you know, when you do the brackets, you got to make sure that there's a passageway for the cats to go through, you know, the bars. So when he was doing the 90 degree thing, um, not thinking, he actually moved the thing like, you know, not aligned nicely, but it went into the middle. And I looked at it and I went, (laughs) so I said, I said, "Um, sorry, but you got to take it down and shift it. He looked at me, why? It's okay. The cats are okay. It's like, no, it's not okay. <laughs> you don't understand. Yeah. I made him move it, you know. So he, he after that first time, and then when the more we did, he sort of figured out like why. I said, yeah. Because I said, imagine if you're walking and you, boom, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. You know, so, um, yeah. But I was really happy to learn that he was actually helping other people doing it. That's, I love it. I love it. After all, because he actually was doing it on his own as well. So, you know, and it's all thanks to you. That's the thing. You started, you started the wave, the movement, the tsunami that's still going on. You, you, you've done it, you know. Um, well, I, I hope that it does continue, that I am, Jackson and I are just the first of many of people who, who do this and, and inspire people and that there are many, many more people like you who are inspired by us and who get out there and really make a difference. Um, you know, it's, it, it is not just a trend. This is an absolute movement that is here to stay. Um, and I believe that any form of animal welfare that teaches compassion for animals helps elevate the entire society to be more aware and have more compassion towards all life, including each other, which is something we really need right now as we go through this together as a global community. So I hope that our animals are our, our inspiration as well as our, you know, our safety nets and, and our, our blankets that we hold tight and we love them as family members and that that also inspires us to reach out and have compassion for everyone else who's going through this right now. Oh, well, thank you so much for your time. I can't believe how much time you've given me today. I think we've spoken for oh, more than two hours, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you can call me anytime, email me, whatever. Find me on Facebook. Okay, you have, have a good day. day.
Thank you for listening to part two of Kate's story. Look out for part two of Scott J. Marshall II, also known as the Dog Dad, interview next week. Wow, I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.